You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skabitsky. This week we welcome Rhiannon Rose, an autism mom, to three awesome kids to the podcast to share her tried and true tips on how to make traveling fun for the whole family. We will talk about air travel, road trips, holiday travel, vacation ideas, and tips on how to handle potential stressors. With Thanksgiving and winter holidays right around the corner, we have a lot to learn from your experience. Rhiannon, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And to be honest, I'm looking forward to learning through this process because if I'm correct, you have a a couple children who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum which probably gives you varied experience, but maybe you can give us a little bit of a background and tell us about your children so we have some perspective going into this. Sure, okay. Um, So first off, something that a lot of people don't know is I actually have an older brother that's autistic as well. He's five years older than me. And so I have been around the autism community my entire life. So um, when my oldest got diagnosed, um, I'm not going to say it still wasn't a shock to us, but um, I think it was a little different for us than families that might have not been around people on the spectrum all the time as well. So my oldest is Damien, and he just turned nine, um, and he is, uh, I'd say, moderately functioning for autism, and then Drew is my youngest who's also on the spectrum and he will be five soon and he is more high functioning so they are very different in many ways (laughs) i would imagine though is that i mean we're going to be talking about travel we're going to be talking about some of the experiences that go into that but having neurotypical children or children that are neurodiverse is that you're going to run into different challenges what is what's unique about your children on the spectrum when they're traveling that might draw a little bit more of a challenge for the family or even some ignorance from those around you because that's got to exist where people just don't understand what's happening for your family. Sure. I think it gets a little more obvious as your child gets older sometimes, but especially when they're young, um, a lot of people have a hard time um, identifying like a meltdown that like my autistic child is having versus maybe just a regular everyday tantrum. Um, And sometimes people that are traveling alongside you, especially if you're in air travel, um, aren't as friendly as maybe they would be if they knew that, you know, you had a child that was on the spectrum. This isn't just, you know, any, any typical toddler. So Rhiannon, you, you mentioned air travel. And when I think of air travel and sometimes with children who um, are on the spectrum is that you'll see maybe a little bit more fidgeting. You'll see the restlessness that could occur because of sensory issues. Um, It just might be uncomfortable for them and they might exhibit some behaviors. It could be kicking the seat in front of them. It could be making noises, which probably wouldn't disturb anybody except for the fact that you're in a confined area and people don't know why the noises are occurring. What were some of the, when you think air travel, 
what were some of the challenges that that you dealt with with and i guess we'll start with your nine-year-old first that were unique to that experience um i will say that uh, my nine-year-old is definitely the hardest my my youngest is actually not too bad with air travel other than that he's a mama's boy and just wants to be on me all the time but we found surprisingly that actually being in the air was not nearly as difficult as we thought it would be so but we always come prepared very very prepared so we have each child has a book bag full of activities things to do including an ipad that has downloaded movies and stuff which we're kind of um picky on how much screen time they get so this is a real reward for them so you give it to them and that can cut a lot of your time mix that with snacks and there's something about the air on a plane that just seems to make kids drowsy so if you're choosy about the time that you fly like we always try to pick very early morning flights where they're still not full go yet and they can kind of just relax a little bit um so we never found that being on the plane was all that hard for the most part our hard part was always the layovers <laughs> i don't know i don't know what it is about layovers for our children that make it so terrible i think they want to be at the destination and the thought of having to get on another plane is just too much for them sometimes we actually had um, a time that we were connecting in houston where i was pretty sure that they thought i someone was going to think I was trying to steal a child at the airport with how upset <laughs> my son was. So we kind of learned from our own mistakes on that. And if at all possible, we adjust our plans to do direct flights. And that has saved us a lot of headache on that part. Yeah. And you know, these are things that you almost have to live to be able to learn from and and the fact that you're able to share this and that you do that through your website autism and go is that it gives people the chance to learn from some of the experiences that you may have and maybe identify you know that might be my child sometimes um and to be honest i i think i empathize with your children as that layovers do the same thing to me maybe i just express it differently but um, I probably want to get upset and scream at some points, so I understand what they're going through. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And when I started my blog and I wanted to put that out to people, um, my goal was not only to share our experiences, but hope that people could learn from the mistakes we've made and not run into them themselves because <laughs> yeah, nobody sure. wants to look like they're stealing a child in Houston. <laughs> Not at all. The um the there are some unique things that I've been seeing with the airlines as I I I lived in Salt Lake for quite a while and I know that Delta used to have walkthroughs for for children so that the family could go and experience what it's like to go through a boarding process, go through a routine like that. Were there any preparations or any sort of almost like social stories or, or ways that the child could or your children could conceptualize this is what I need to expect on this trip that you ran into with with your travel that helped them sure so what I will say on that is that we have always been on the go kind of people 
Like my kids have been traveling at least once a year since they were babies. So they've always had a little bit of experience, but to to reintroduce them to the idea when there has been a long period of time that they haven't done it. Um, my son's never been very good with social stories, but we like to watch YouTube videos and we'll watch YouTube videos of other kids. And, you know, this is what they do getting on the plane and this is what they do when they're sitting. And um, some other help that we had, especially when um, my children were young, is they always did really good sitting for car rides in the car. Okay, like I, we live kind of in the middle of nowhere, so it takes us a drive to get most places. Well, with that, they always did good in their car seats, but airplane seats are different. I also didn't want to have to lug a car seat around, so I did some prep work ahead of time. Like, what can I do to find straps like a car seat, but not bring the car seat with us? And we found that there's actually something called Fly Safe. Um, it's a product that I think the airlines made um, for children where it straps them in um, almost like a five point harness, but it works using the current seatbelt. And once they were strapped in a little bit and they felt more like a car ride car seat, they did a lot better with not moving around, not so much fidget, fidgeting, have to get up. Um, so that was a, a big help when they were younger. No, and uh, just listening to kind of how you processed through this and made all these decisions, um, it, it almost it, it sounds like the the concept of doing behavioral work in the real world. It's you know what works. What are the pieces of my day to day experience? What are the activities that we're doing that I can start to pair to these environments that maybe my child might not be as comfortable with or might have more concern with? And you've effectively been able to transition those so that so that your children are successful and it's oftentimes it's just trying to look at those little nuances um when you are when you are traveling is that oftentimes there's strangers involved and, and there's people that are that are sitting around you you don't know there's uh flight attendants there's uh there's the ticket people they don't know your family situation. They don't know that there might be triggers in the environment that could upset your children, that that they could be inadvertently doing. What do you suggest to families on, is there a value to communicating that? Is there a value to saying, hey, you know, my child is has some challenges with, with travel, but this will make it better. And expressing that to those around you. I would say absolutely. Um... One thing I've learned over the years is requesting accommodations is a great way to make your experience easier. Because at the end of the day, the worst someone's going to say to your request is, no, we can't do that. But most of the time, people are more than willing to help. And even if they can't give you exactly what you're asking for, they can give you something that's helpful. Um, when it comes to the busy airports and lots of people being around and stuff like that, I will say that even as my kids are getting older, we invested in a decent double stroller that kind of separates um, our children a little bit and has like a good cover. And that's always nice to take around. So strollers are considered almost like a medical device. They're, you don't have to check them. They're an extra thing you can bring. And even my nine-year-old will feel, still fit in the stroller. And so when we're in airports, he can sit there and he can kind of enclose himself away from all the craziness that there is 
um, and, and get us through that airport time. There's not much you can do once you're on the plane, obviously. Um, I will say in regards to seating and things like that, another good tip I would have is that a lot of airlines, when you're trying to book like the lowest price flight, have this like, just go or go anywhere where you don't get to pick your assigned seat. But if you go up to the attendant or you call the airline ahead of time and say, hey, I'm traveling with children and my children have special needs, they will reassign your whole group so that you're sitting together, which is a huge uh, thing because sitting beside strangers is not always the best way to get through a long flight. No, absolutely. And that's a wonderful accommodation. And I think that we don't always think to ask is I would imagine that there's people out there that want to do the right thing and would love to accommodate these requests. But if they're not asked, they're not going to be able to do it. So I think what you're what you're saying there is just to have your voice be heard and make that request. Start planning early because the stressors I would just kind of thinking of my own travel, the stressors that go into trying to travel with a family are high regardless of who your family is. And if you have any children that have difficulty with travel or that need accommodations and you can't provide those, the entire stress for the entire family has got to be extremely elevated. So what are some of these stress reduction techniques that you might be putting in, not just for the children, but for the rest of the family as they're going through it. Because I think that you mentioned you have another child who probably is going through the same process and has to be kind of keep their cool throughout (laughs) travel. Absolutely. So uh, what I will say to trying to reduce stressors is one, I always feel a thousand times less stressed out if I am prepared and things go as close to as I planned as possible. So a lot of early legwork, especially in the time of COVID protocols and changing COVID protocols were all very important. Um, You know, you had to have lots of documents, you had to have everything ready to go. That was a good help. In regards to managing our boys on a flight, um, we do our best to make sure that it's kind of a a one-on-one, like each one of them is sitting with a parent. As my daughter, who's right in the middle of the two boys, uh, she's kind of our helper. She does a lot better. Um, And she's kind of my helping hand a lot of times as well. Um, Another thing that we often do on this big family vacation we take. So we have a goal to take one big family vacation a year. And with my husband's work schedule, that tends to be in um, the winter months because that's when he's less busy, which means that we're generally getting on a plane to fly there. Our car travels more, you know, summertime, small weekend trips type things. But we kind of save up and see sometimes if we can afford to invite other family members along for what I like to call extra hands. Um, For the past few years, we've gifted my parents a trip to come with us where we paid for their travel expenses. And within that, then they could help us with the kids in the airport. They could give us a night off once we were at the hotel. They, you know, it's not an option that everybody has, but 
it's definitely something that is worth saving for if you do have close family to your children that are able to help out or even someone else that's close to them that you would think about inviting along with you. Yeah, that's that's important. I mean, when when we've talked with other families historically is that having that time for oneself and on a vacation, you don't always have that. It's a new place and you're trying to be able to manage all the expectations and the routines by having somebody travel with you. That gives you some respite as parents to be able to kind of say, you know, I need my break. I'm going to take it now. And there's always somebody willing to do it. You just got to be able to, like you said, voice that, ask it, prep it, and sometimes maybe even chip in for it. But somebody is there to help out. Um, I say all of these little tips, I think, are so helpful, whether it is being able to make sure you're bringing all the right items, asking and getting the routine in place, prepping through the YouTube. I'd like to pivot a little bit because you all have traveled quite a bit as a family and you probably have some good ideas on maybe some uh, sensory friendly or autism friendly or just good places to go as a family to be able to be yourselves and and not feel like your vacation has become work. Where are some of the places that you all have explored? Sure. So um, searching for a place that is autism certified is always a great place to start. Now, I will say that with a little bit of a disclaimer that Sometimes there are places that claim to be autism certified and you don't see a whole lot of it actually in the resort that you're on. Um, we did travel to Disney uh, pre-COVID and they were fantastic, you know, stuff like that. They're as top notch as what you would expect for something like that. Um, but then the resorts that we've been to, um, we've been to Nickelodeon Punta Cana. Um, they're autism certified and they were also fantastic. Um, they were very low capacity when we went because it was uh, at a time when there was still just not a lot of people traveling. Um, that was probably one of our favorite vacations. Um, but I do want to highlight the last vacation we went on, which was to beaches, Turks and Caicos. Now, this trip was definitely like a bucket list trip. We've always wanted to go to Turks and Caicos. Uh, beaches is a higher price point than a lot of the places that we had generally stayed but with their autism certification they also provide the service called a beach buddy and so a beach buddy they are hired you do pay them an hourly fee if you reserve them but it's pretty minimal i think it was like 15 dollars an hour plus tip and you could hire them for any part of your week that you wanted so we were very strategic in when we booked our beach buddy and we booked her to do water slides with our son for two hours a day. That's all he wanted to do was water slides and he will walk you up a million stairs and completely wear you out. And so we're like, here you go. <laughs> so for two hours, we got to sit in a chair, play with our daughter, you know, play, um, just in a much more relaxed setting while he got to do all the fun stuff he wanted. And it was a very nice break. It was a, a great thing. I wish that more hotels and resorts would offer that service. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that they do that. And, and this is one of the challenges that we run into and within the autism community is that there, there isn't always that readily available resource for you to be able to know this. But it sounds like 
this autism certification is something that we could be able to search up or we could go and look online to try and figure out as we're planning the vacations is, you know, this one is. So I can call them. I can get information on what that means to them. But where do people, where did you find that information? Because I honestly wouldn't know the first place to look. Uh, I honestly just, I I had seen, you know, when we visited other places where they might put in the lower part that they were autism certified. So just a regular Google search for autism certified resorts or top places to go with an autistic child. I mean, you can find anything on Google nowadays, but I like to do a lot of prep work and uh, we always make sure that the resort, at least my, my son loves water slides. So if it's autism certified plus a water park, you know, I'm going to be at least looking at their site to see if it might be a good fit for us. Yeah, finding that pleasurable event and, and making sure that the vacation has that that activity for your children that gives you as a parent the chance to take a step back, I think is so important. And, and it, it should, it's a shared experience. You get to watch the joy of your child doing it. Um, what I really like is the way you were describing some of the things that they were doing for autism certified. It's, it's almost like it's just compassionate care. It's not treatment. It's not anything. You're on vacation. It's somebody who's just compassionate and will be there. So it's this, it's that person who's going to take those steps continuously up to the water slide with your child. It's the one who might go and watch a billion videos if that's what your child wants to do during that time period. It's it's somebody just to help them to better their experience and to be able to enjoy the environment that much more. Um, the fact that that exists and that and that you've been able to find it and hopefully others can get there. I think that's so important. Um, I do have one thing that I'm kind of curious about is that it almost feels like right now travel is is relatively inconsistent. There's a lot of hiccups within travel. Um, in preparing your child for those hiccups, for that break in routine, for that canceled flight while you're already on the way to the airport, now you got to find something to do. How have you managed during that tra that travel experience, those breaks in routines, that disruption? So my best thing that I can do for my son in that is keep it on the down low until the very last minute. <laughs> it's not the best way to do it. I love to have days to, you know, tell him, hey, you know, we're leaving on this day, we're going to be doing this. But when we had to travel and get tested beforehand, and you only got your test back, you know, 12 hours before you were going to leave, like, I I'm not going to get him excited for something. It's, it's honestly worse for me to tell him that we're going to go, and then it get canceled than for me to not have that extra prep time to like prepare him for that. So we wait till the very last minute till we know exactly what's gonna happen. I mean, even that being said, especially with air travel, there are just some things that are totally out of your control. On our way home from Turks and Caicos, we boarded the plane and they had some sort of, um, a luggage malfunction where it, it hit a side of the plane and they had to inspect the plane before we could fly. We waited for four hours on that flight before we could take off. Um, uh, I did my best to act, ask the stewardess if he could walk around a little bit. 
we dug through all of our snacks. We it was definitely the worst plane situation we've ever been on. Um, but luckily, our extra hands and just having plenty of stuff in that book bag with us helped us get through it. So. Yeah, I mean, just even conceptualizing what what you're explaining there, it's it's almost avoiding the highs and lows beforehand. And maybe you live that high, that great experience, but not prepping for it too far in advance just because the expectation might not be met. Um, and instead, maybe it's just preparing when you know for sure that something might happen is that then that's when you start the routine. That's when you start prepping. That's when you kind of really make sure that it happens. Because I couldn't imagine is that if if I was trying to build up this trip and my child had a hard time being able to to understand disappointment or to reason around it is having to pull away something that they were so excited and motivating motivated for um and i think it's a it's a hard thing to do with all children so so what what sort of words of wisdom i guess would you impart to other families um who maybe are even avoiding travel simply because they are they're overwhelmed by the thought of it uh yeah absolutely i uh i would say words of wisdom um do not you know, miss out, do not forego travel and visiting fun places with your child um, who's on the spectrum just because you're worried that it's going to be bad. Um, I'd say that some of our best memories that we've ever had as a family come from our family vacations. I mean, I think there was some study that said that uh, a vacation uh, is always better for your child's memory than any toy you'll ever get them you know taking them somewhere even if it's not a huge air travel trip or something like that even if it's just a drive to a local amusement park or something like that um i'd say that with that you know there's always extra work involved taking your child and your trip might not look like a trip that every other family has but the more you do it the more practice your child gets and the easier it'll get for you too. You'll learn where they have issues or what their strengths are. Um, and e even our trips, even with the hiccups that we have had, um, we still always had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the, the hiccups are the trips that really are the most memorable even. <laughs> No, for sure. I mean, we can't live in a bubble. I, those shared experiences are, are what make us who we are. And you can't not experience everything that you want to simply because you have that fear of what may happen. Um, and the fact that you guys are living that life and are sharing on it and giving people something to learn from is that maybe that's not going to be their experience. But you're sharing your personal experience through your through your website, through your blog that it gives somebody perspective to know, you know, they're out there doing this. Maybe I should give it a try and maybe I can learn something. So where can people follow this? Where can they find you on Instagram, on Facebook? Uh, where can they get to your website? <laughs> sure. Uh, the website is just autismandgo.com. Um, I post a new blog uh, every week. Uh, travel is one of our big topics, but we do hit on other topics as well. It's just a personal blog, personal stories about the family. Um, and then you can also uh, find links.
links within the Autism and Go website. There is links to the Facebook page and the Instagram page as well. Um, and then if you really become a big fan within the Facebook page, I've also started a support group under the same name, Autism and Go, where you can join. Um, and we try to just get local or people to share their stories as well, kind of shared experience type stuff. So. Well, thank you for, for doing this, Rhiannon, and, and thank your family for being so willing to share their experiences and to hopefully encourage others to be out there and, and to be the their best selves and just kind of live their lives. Um, and once again, thanks for coming on to our podcast to be able to start this dialogue with all of our listeners. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.